The series is going to be essential oils. How many of you have heard of essential oils? Maybe some of you here are into essential oils. Maybe some of you sell essential oils. Uh, it's, it's a big thing, you know, and uh, it's not aftershave or cologne. It's, uh, it's uh, like extract from different plants, and God put these plants on the earth, and I bet we have yet to discover half of the cures and remedies that are on this planet that God put in it that would cure us of so many things. And uh, right now the pharmaceutical companies have hold over everything. But I would imagine that there's just so much within all the extracts of all these plant lives and all this. Well, I'm not here to sell you uh, uh, essential oils But what I am here to do is to convince you of the essential oils that are in the Holy Spirit. In other words, the essential nature of God's Holy Spirit. And that's what I'm going to share with you over the next couple of weeks. That as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have received the person of the Holy Spirit. Is there anybody here that is saved? Anybody here saved? All right. Is there anybody here that's born again? All right, it's the same thing. <laughs> I'm just helping you understand these terms. You're born again, you're saved. Anybody here that's a believer? Again, same thing, okay? Now, the concept is this. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ and confess Him as your Lord and Savior and your sins have gone to the cross, you have been saved from your sins. You've identified with Christ in the crucifixion. So you've identified in His death and his burial, so that you will also identify in his resurrection, and the Spirit comes to give you new life and birth you. And when that happens, the Spirit of God himself comes into you and makes you a child of God. And you are born again, or born from above, born of his Spirit, and therefore the nature of God, that's the Holy Spirit, his nature now comes in you, to inhabit you, and dwell in you, and live with you. Amen? And so, as a believer, you have the nature of God living in you, His Holy Spirit, and He desires to flow out of you. There's an intake to receive Christ, and there's an outflow to release the nature of God's Spirit out of our lives. And those are the essential oils I'm going to be talking about tonight. It's the fragrance of Christ that should be evident in your life and my life. There's no such thing as an underground believer. No such thing as a secret agent Christian. All right? Now, of course, in some countries they're underground because they'll be killed if they're not. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being a witness and a light for Jesus. And so your fragrances and essential oils should show up. So if you will, turn with me to Colossians 3.12, please. Colossians 3.12. I want to share with you some essential studies in the scriptures. And Paul says it in in Colossians 3.12. He also says it in Ephesians, uh, the same list, but we're going to go to Colossians tonight. Colossians is after Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 is our text. Put on then, or clothe yourself, or put the oils on, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. He gives you those attributes as as God's chosen one. God chose you. You didn't choose him. 
He called upon you. You got saved. You received Him. You are holy. That means set apart. And you're beloved. God loves you. Called you. Saved you. So put on then what? Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. All right? That's what we're going to study tonight. Put on then these essential oils. You get it what I'm saying, essential oils? These are the characteristics and traits of God's own nature through His Spirit, and those are the things that should be fragrant from us. We should have the fragrance of Christ on us. These are His essential oils. They will know you are Christians by your love. Right? So this should show up in you and I. And if it's not showing up, that's why you're here tonight. We're going to work on it. And if it is showing up, then teach somebody else these things. But first of all, the first thing is what? Compassion. So the first thing we want to look at is this. Compassion. Now, each one of these builds upon another. We'll get into some other essential oils from Peter uh, in a week or two. And what happens is he says, add to your faith this, and then this, and then this. Now, the combination of these essential oils smells good. All right, but these add together into a sweet, sweet fragrance, and it smells like Jesus. So the first one is compassion. How many of you have ever heard or remember in the old scriptures, uh, bowels of mercy? Bowels of compassion. That's the old King James. Uh, tender mercies. But why in the world would they use the word bowels of compassion? Because in ancient times, and they were smart, they understood that to be moved with compassion, they felt it here in their bowels, in their belly, and they were moved. Do you ever get butterflies when you're near someone you like? Right? Your bowels of tender mercies. You have butterflies in your stomach. How many have ever heard that phrase? All right. Jesus was moved with compassion. The concept is, is brilliant. And though people, we would go, oh, that's so ancient. They didn't know what they were talking about, bowels of mercy. We know that those are all based in your head. Well, what scientists have discovered is the second brain. Look it up. Google second brain. And what you'll find is that there literally is a second brain within your body that's right here in your bowels. It has as many uh, um, triggers and, and, and uh, uh, senses uh, th- that is literally moves you and causes you to consider. How many of you ever heard of the term gut? I have a gut feeling. Right, Because it's happening here. Many of your decisions are made here than here. This is your rational decision making. This is your emotional decision making. And that's where compassion comes out of. Tender mercies and compassion. You're moved. And then your brain kicks in. Right? Then you go, well, I don't know if I should do that or not. And that's what compassion is. So let's look at a verse, 1 John 3, 17. It's on your outline. I'm just going to go through some of these. Uh, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, again, King James says, bowels of compassion, how does God's love abide in him? So he says this, if you've got the world's goods, what do you think that means? Money, money. 
world's goods. Yeah, finance, uh, car, uh, whatever you have that gets you through this world. If you've got it and you see someone who doesn't, and compassion moves on you, but you shut it down, then the question is, you're not displaying essential oils. And the question is, do you really have God in you? See, that's what I'm talking about. When you're moved with compassion, then your rational thinking goes in. Ah, if I give them that five bucks, then I can't buy my salami sandwich. Right? But God moves on us. It may not be your bowels moving. It may be the Spirit of God moving. And so we're to show up in this world with compassion. Now, I understand that there are a lot of people who are constantly asking you for money, right? So I would encourage you, uh, I do this from time to time, I'd encourage you to do this time to time, and I used to do it with my children, and that is take some extra cash with you because you can count on being asked for finance. So have some singles with you, have some fives with you, whatever you want. When I used to take the kids down to the Tiger game, and we'd go through Detroit, you can count on the guy with the big green fists to be there and the trumpet player, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about at Tiger Stadium, right? The the same people that are always going to be there. And I would give my kids a buck because they always were moved. It's fascinating. Kids are moved with compassion. They'd walk by him and go, Dad, how about that? So I'd give them a couple bucks. So when we got there, they'd see the guy and they'd go, I go, yeah, go ahead. And they'd give him the dollar. And that was so cool. They felt so great with that. But compassion's going to start opening up doors to you that we normally walk right by. This is an essential oil of the Holy Spirit for us as believers. You are a compassionate people. And look at people are going to take advantage of you. So what? Take advantage of them and present Jesus I don't know if that's taking advantage, but give them Jesus. No, seriously, this is an essential oil. So what if you got ripped off? Jesus didn't say if they ask for your coat, kick them in the shins. He said, give them your coat and your shirt. Right? If they tell you to walk a mile, go two. So this is an essential oil. I won't belabor it, but let's... Let's understand that oil. Now he goes on and he says, if you're going to be compassionate, you, you can't get to kindness till you're compassionate, right? You can't get to kindness unless there's compassion starting here. So compassion has to begin to flow, and out of compassion will then come what? Kindness. Kindness. Kindness is a beautiful thing. How many of you like kind people, Right? Isn't it nice when people are kind instead of harsh? How many of you go, to, uh, you go to the counter when you're trying to buy something at the store or at a restaurant, fast food place or whatever? Doesn't it make a world of difference when someone's kind? It amazes me too. When, and, and many places need to teach young people how to be kind in their service. <laughs> right? Because a lot of them aren't getting it at home. In fact, their homes are not kind, and they're really in a rough place, and they're going to work, and they're down. They won't even look at you. Okay, what do you want? Okay. It's like, look at me. How are you doing today? You bring kindness, and guess what happens? Boom. It opens up. So let's look at this verse for kindness. Romans 2.4. Do you presume on the riches of his 
kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. This is all about God's kindness. Where do you think we get the knowledge of kindness from? God. God is so kind, and what Paul is saying is God's kindness is so great, it's what got you to fall in love with Him. His kindness towards us who were against Him and who sin and reject Him and avoid Him and forget about Him, He is perpetually kind and good to us. This kindness is an essential oil that a Christian should be wearing. It's kindness. Your compassion moves on you so that you will be kind towards one another. These are the teachings of Jesus. Be kind one to another. Kindness goes a long way. That's what this verse says. It's his kindness that led us to repentance, to, in other words, changing our mind. It affected your mind and your thinking. Kindness does that. Kindness has an impact on who you are responding to. Right? Gentle words turn away wrathful speaking, right? Uh, I'm paraphrasing, right? An angry voice speaking to you, you turn back kindness, it'll defuse the situation. Uh, isn't it true? Right? You get an angry customer and you're kind to them, they kind of bring it down, bring it down, bring it down, right? Amen. I've experienced that many times. Has anybody here experienced that in your kindness it diffused the situation? Yeah? Good, good. Kindness goes a long way. There's a story here about Rosera Butterfield and uh, a famous story, a, a book she wrote. Uh, she was a committed lesbian and she really hated evangelical Christianity and Christians. And uh, she wrote an article that was published in the newspaper about a particular evangelical Christian group of people. And she just dogged them. She just, you know, these narrow-minded, really ignorant people. And uh, she put it out. It was published and uh, she got a lot of mail back, right? So you get positive mail and you get negative mail. And she got a whole slew of mail. Uh, typical. And uh, unfortunately, uh, there are times where Christians um, make their point of view in an unkind manner. That is not the oil of God. That is not the oil of the Spirit. You must represent, right? Now, uh, Jesus would call out and rebuke religious leaders and people, but you see, he was rebuking people who were misrepresenting God, you know, as opposed to the sinners. Uh, he was kind to them because they didn't know any better. But anyways, she talks about how she got a letter from a pastor, and she decided one day to put all the hate mail in one stack and all the good pro positive mail in another, and she came across this one letter from a pastor, and she read through it, and it was so kind, but yet it was pointing out where her logic and her reasoning was concerning Christians, where it was incorrect. And, but yet the love and the kindness, she said she couldn't put it down. She'd read it, and it intrigued her, and she couldn't decide which pile to put it in because it was opposing her point of view, but it was so loving and kind, she felt it was pro-her. And she, she was so intrigued, she wrote the pastor back. And he invited her to lunch. And they met for lunch. And as time went on, his kindness spoke to her and it brought her into a knowledge of God and she is now saved and born again and serving the Lord Jesus Christ 
because the kindness brought her unto a loving God. This is the essential oils of God. But sometimes if I'm kind, people will be mean. Yeah, well, they'll be mean even if you're mean. (laughs) But you need to minister in the opposite spirit, not the spirit that they're ministering in. We're to minister in the essential oils of God's Holy Spirit. Now, if your compassion moves you to kindness, the only way for you to be kind to someone is you need to humble yourself. That's a tough one, isn't it? Humility. Now, the Latin word for humility is humilis, and it means go low. It means low. So we don't esteem ourselves more highly That's what this verse says, more highly than we ought to. Uh, Romans 12, 3, For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. So humility says go low. You don't have to prove yourself to someone, and you don't have to win over someone. That's an essential oil. Jesus, who being found in God, formed as God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He humbled himself, emptied himself, and made himself as a man, even a slave, even unto death. Jesus didn't have to prove anything. He knew who he was. You're a child of God. You don't have to prove this, but be humble. Stay low and serve. Serve others. This kind of Humility. So don't think more highly than you ought to. Now, this is an important point concerning humility. Don't think yourself more highly, right, than you ought to. There's an ought to in that verse. Because if you think of yourself lower than you ought to, Now you're not understanding your identity in Christ. Right? A false humility or groveling or a self-loathing is not humility. Does that make sense? But this verse actually helps me where it says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. There's a level that you ought to consider who you are. I am not a loser. I'm saved by the grace of God, born again. There's a place I should consider who I am. Does that make sense? But it should never be higher than where Christ wants me to stand. And in due season, James says, if you humble yourself, in due season, Christ will elevate you. So who's doing the elevating? Jesus. Let him elevate you. So, And if I'm going to be a humble person so that I can be kind to someone, how many of you have ever been kind to someone who doesn't deserve it? Oh, it just takes everything out of you. You don't want to be kind. They They don't deserve my kindness. But what are you going to do? Go low. Humble yourselves. Because that kindness will lead them to repentance will lead them to a knowledge of God. Amen? Humility will do that. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be haughty. What's haughty? Puffed up. You're all that. And a slice. Come on. It's true. He said, associate with the lowly. 
Never be wise in your own sight. We all have something to learn. We're all learning. We're all growing. Don't think you know more, so keep quiet. I'm better than you are. I know more than you. Go low. You may know more than them. But when you walk in humility, you will then be able to move in kindness because compassion has stirred in you. You see the character of Jesus. And this is Him. Now, the next one is this. Meekness. Now, when we talk about meekness, 21st century Western thinking, the concept of meekness is kind of being wimpy. A little meek. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. Whatever you want to do. I'm very meek. That's not the true meaning of meekness. Uh, We have a hard time understanding it. But if you look in scriptures, you look in Old Testament, you'll see that the king was a mighty king and meek upon the earth. How can you be a mighty warrior king and yet you're the meekest? Because what true meekness means is strength under restraint. Listen to this about Moses. Now the man Moses was very meek more than all men that were on the face of the earth. Would you think Moses was mamby-pamby? I mean, he stood up to Pharaoh, right? I mean, he called some mighty things down. He parted the Red Sea. He had to put up with Israel over and over and over. He was a mighty man. He was trained in war, and he was far from being wimpy. But he was under restraint. He had strength under restraint. There were times he wanted all of Israel dead, and God said, no, I better save him." And then there's times God wanted... <laughs> Israel dead, and Moses said, no, save them. Back and forth they they went. But I found this definition to be really fascinating, and that is tolerating uncontrollable circumstances with patience and grace. It has more to do with how you handle the situations you're in. Has anybody here ever been in a situation that's been out of your control and your timing? True meekness means you haven't become weakened by the situation, but you have not been overtaken by the situation either. You know how to handle. You stay cool. You stay calm in a situation that's out of your ability to control. And meekness says, I'm going to trust God in this situation. And you get through it. That's strength restraint. You don't throw a tantrum. You don't get all mad and crazy. What's taking so long? But you actually, in meekness, are able to hold your position, hold your belief, hold your composure through the extreme situation. Has anybody ever had to do that? All right, good. Meek people. Moses had to go through that continually, didn't he? And he's standing at the water's edge while while Egypt is coming at full force to kill them all and all the Israelites Israelites are standing there going, Moses, why'd you get us into this mess? And they're all screaming at him and the Red Sea's right in front of them and all the Egyptians are right behind him and Moses is going, oh dear God. (laughs) What now? Pick up your hand. And he held it there all night long till the waters went. Phew. 
right? Meekness. He was, the, he was the meekest man in all the earth. The meekest beyond him, of course, was Jesus Christ, who humbled himself and allowed himself to be crucified. That's meekness. Remember, they taunted him and said, why don't you call all the angels to take you down? Could he have? Oh, man, he could have caused the apocalypse right then and there. He could have said, enough of this! And just went and boiled everything. But he said, not my will, but thine. No, it wasn't not that it was in his will to do that, that he wanted to. He was completely meek and faithful to the Lord. All right, so meekness, folks. Meekness is the fragrance and essential oil that you need to have to where kindness can operate because even in a situation where you want to react and you want to say something that they deserve to hear or you need to pound and get your way, you're just okay. And so that leads you to the next one. Because you're meek, and even out of the control of the situation, you will keep your composure. You can be what? Patience. You can walk in patience. Now here is where humility works in patience because you are choosing to not control the time, but in meekness, you are allowing that situation to play itself out and you will be patient. This is when you begin to pray to God and say, I know you're doing something here. I just can't see it. <laughs> but you've got a plan, and I'm just going to wait and be patient with this situation. Let patience have her perfect work. Perfect means complete. Let patience have its complete work. There is something going on here. Something behind the scenes you don't know, you don't understand, and you don't realize that's going on. But because you are a meek person, knowing that God is in control of everything, you will patiently wait to see how this thing plays out, holding your resolve and your kindness, and representing Christ in that situation. How many of you have found yourself where others all around you are complaining and they're mad and they're angry and they're yelling and this and that, and yet you hold a composure and a patience to where you're able to minister to the person that is stuck behind the counter and it's not their fault? Anybody ever been in that situation, right? Man, do they appreciate you. You know why? You smell like Jesus. They don't know Jesus. They, don't, they haven't seen Him. You see, faith right, is the evidence of things not seen. So when they see you behave like Jesus, they've seen Jesus for the first time. They smell the fragrance of Christ because they see the attributes of Him in you. So these are the essential oils. And so they play one upon the other. And they are what should be demonstrated in our lives. So, compassion moves us. And in that compassion that we have, we move with kindness. And as we present kindness with someone, it's because we have humility. And in our humility, we are meek to not allow the situation stir our attitudes, but I'm stirred by the Lord's compassion through me. And because I am meek in this situation, I will be patient. And I will allow the Spirit of Christ and His essential oil 
be a fragrance wherever I am. That's you, Christian. That's you. You bear the essential oils of Christ. Christ.